Well, good evening, folks. Nice to be with you again in, in uh, Airdrie and to worship with you and just to hear the gusto of these musicians. And um, it's just been, it's been pleasant. And um, Part of my role at Faith Mission Bible College during this term is to teach on discipleship. Um, you could call it holiness. You could call it discipleship. You could call it sanctification. You could call it whatever happens after we become a Christian, but it's to look at what God's intentions are for us after, after we come to see who He is, after we put our trust in Him, and after we begin to walk with Him. And obviously, there's many places that you could turn in Scripture to, to inform what, what that should look like. In fact, all of Scripture is useful um, for correction and teaching. And, but if I had to pick one verse out of all of Paul's writings to to focus in on, 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 on God's plan or God's intention for a believer, it would be 2 Corinthians 3.18. And I just want to turn to that tonight, and maybe we'll read in from 2 Corinthians 3.6 through to the end of the chapter at verse 18. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.6 and, and following, He has made us competent, Paul writing, competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on, which was engraved in letters on stone, could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory, no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day they same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's just pray together as, before we begin. Our Father, we thank You for bringing us here. We thank You for leading us in worship this evening. We thank and praise You for putting it in our hearts, we trust, to worship the living God. And Father, we praise You uh, that You in in our sung worship and in our uh, worship as we study the Scriptures, you're set before our eyes. And Father, we thank and praise you that we have a different experience from that, from those in the Old Covenant, for we have the Holy Spirit uh, to, to motivate us and to move us and to change us into the image that is set before us. And our Father, we thank you for the picture that we have in the Scriptures of Jesus and this beauty um, that we see in Him will be formed in us as we, as we focus on You. And so, we look to You for this next half hour or so that You would be with us, strengthen us to listen, strengthen us to speak, 
and give us grace to, to obey and to reform our lives according to the pattern that you give us. In Jesus' name, we ask for your help. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment at a wedding when grooms standing at the front of the church or the hall or wherever the wedding's being held, and the girl comes in with, 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 with the veil over her face. And of course, the groom will have looked at the girl before, but you get that you get that moment of beginning when they're standing at the front of the church and the veil is lifted. And the groom looks at the bride um, at the beginning of this relationship and, and how it's supposed to work. It doesn't always work like this, but how it's supposed to work is that, that, that you would look at each other the rest of your lives and enjoy that relationship and, uh, and uh, be shaped and formed even as that would take place um, we do a lot of, those of us that are married will know that we do a lot of shoulder-to-shoulder type relationship, uh, type work, whereby we're raising kids and we work shoulder-to-shoulder, and um, a lot of our lives, just the busyness and the pattern that we follow forces us to, to walk in, in uh, our marital relationships shoulder-to-shoulder, but um, face-to-face is different. And it's that face-to-face relationship with the Lord that I want to look at tonight from this, from this verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18. The concept is really simple. We put, at our conversion, Christ is put before our eyes. He is, if you like, the model that's put before our eyes. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is formed in us. So we look at what we are to become, and it's not our own uh, effort, our own efforts involved in it, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the image that we put before our eyes is worked within us. So as that sort of basic pattern for the Christian life, put Christ before your eyes, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the image of Christ or the characteristics of Christ or the beauty of Christ will be worked within us, still, still retaining something of our personality, but the beauty of Christ's character looking out of us. And so that's, that's, that's the basic pattern that we want to look at as we look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We who with unveiled faces all reflect or contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, I want to look at it in sort of three headings. One is the perspective. What are we looking at? How does that operate in our lives? Two is the power, the, the, the operation of the Holy Spirit to, to achieve this in our lives. And then three, the product. How will it, what, what can we say about what will be formed in our lives? Um, just, just to go back a step, um, the context speaks of a veil being over the Jews' eyes. That meant that they couldn't understand or accept who Jesus was. They had a real blindfold. You see that often as you, as you, as you read through the Gospels. There are people, sometimes uh, hecklers, these uh, Pharisees and scribes, and, 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 and just others of the crowd who, who see this man, but they have something of a blindfold over their eyes to fully understand what he's saying and to accept him. And uh, 
All of us start off like that in life, whereby Jesus is, is another to us. He's maybe somebody that fascinates our, our, our grandparents, or He's somebody that our, that our mom or our dad or our friend seem to talk about with wonder and worship and beauty. Um, but for us, uh, Jesus is not someone that has captivated our vision. But Paul says how this how this veil is taken away is when we turn to the Lord. Um, when you turn to Christ, verse 14, um, whenever anyone, verse 16, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's a moment of profound discovery at our conversion. The, when we're being saved, when we have this moment of unveiling and see who Jesus is, see Him sitting on a throne. Perhaps prior to that, in our unregenerate state, uh, we see only a man in history. But there's a moment when we turn to the Lord, when, uh, to use Paul's language, we're converted, and we see who Jesus is, and we see Him sitting on a throne, we see who we are, and the world, and the world with Jesus at, 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 the, at the center starts to starts to make sense. James Denny, an old uh, scholar of Edinburgh, said that religious perplexities will be solved when we turn to Christ. This is the beginning of all intelligence, all freedom, all hope, and all things spiritual. And, and that's, a, that, that's a good place for us to start tonight. It's possible that there's somebody here, and I'm talking about growing as a Christian, but you have never come to Christ in the first place. It's possible that there'll be somebody here who who uh, Jesus seems like an historic character or someone that other people seem to get excited about. Other people seem to love reading about Him, hearing about Him, going along to services, but it means nothing to you. And I, I just want to ask you at the beginning, have you turned to Jesus in faith? Have you accepted the witness of the resurrection that He is not just any other man, but He is God's Son come into the world, lived and died for the sins of the world, and, and, and been resurrected, and um, will make all the difference in the world to you if you come to Him in faith, if you come to the Scriptures in faith, and if your heart, if, if, if this veil is taken away and you enter into this beautiful relationship with Him. And then, as, as, as we continue on, Coming, coming to Christ, accepting who He is, the veil being taken away. It says that we behold or reflect, but I think the trans I, what I accept the translation to be is the footnote in our, in, in, in our Bibles as uh, contemplate or behold. Looking at something intently, looking at the glory of the Lord, we see a beauty in Jesus. We see a captivating image for the Christian. When we come to Him and realize that he, that he came into this world and died for us, we understand who He is as the King of the universe, we've been brought into relationship with Him, and we look at Him, He's captivating, He's beautiful, He captures our vision. Robert Murray McShane's old hymn, Jehovah Said Can You, testifies to the real difference that McShane discovered in coming to the Lord. He says, I once was a stranger to grace and to God, I knew not my danger and felt not my load, though friends spoke in rapture of Christ on the tree. Jehovah said, can you? Jehovah, our, our righteousness was nothing to me. 
But then as he, he goes on, he says, When free grace awoke me by light from on high, then legal fears shook me. I began to feel the weight of my sin. I trembled to die. No refuge, no safety in self could I see. Jehovah said, Can you, my Savior must be? He turned to Jesus. And then he says, My, my terrors all vanished before the sweet name. My guilty fears banished with boldness I came to drink at the fountain life-giving and free. Jehovah said, can use all things to me. Have you come to Jesus? Have you come to Him in faith? Have you, have you begun to see the beauty of Jesus? Do you live your life with Jesus before your eyes? When we come to the Lord, this new vision is set before our eyes. The authorized version says, we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. New vision set before our eyes, and, and this vision becomes the prototype for our lives. It's a basic principle that we see in different spheres of life, that whatever you set before your eyes will be the thing that you work towards. Take, I come from a construction background that's where I spent a lot of my time before I came across here and um, was working as a, as, a, as a civil engineer, but in, in the office with us would, would have been architects. And architects, whenever they started a, started a project, they would often start with a model, start with a sketch or put together a bit of a model and um, present that, and an awful lot more of that nowadays, to present uh, 3D images and all this sort of thing. Uh, but they start with a model, and then work towards that model. And uh, it's a basic principle for our lives that we would set before our eyes what we want to be, or what we want to be, what we intend to create. Martin Luther King did the same thing in America. He said in his great speech of 1963, I have a dream, that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day in the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four, four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but, but by the content of their character, and it, it, it goes on. But the basic principle is that whatever we want to be, we must set before our eyes. That's what Paul's teaching here. 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding, looking at the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image. And I just want to ask you, Sunday night at the beginning of another week, what is your dream? What do you put before your eyes? Have you an intention as to what you would become, as to what you would grow into? Salvation, just a ticket for heaven that kind of keeps you on a solid foundation, or is there a progressive movement in your life? Paul had a constant desire for his people that there would be a progressive growth movement in their lives, and to, to inform that, he says, put Christ before your eyes. How is a vision of Jesus developed? Well, we read about Christ in the Scriptures, don't we? And um, we see something of Christ in the lives of other Christians. And how will, how will you inform your vision? How, how, how do we practically set Jesus before our eyes? 
Well, through reading the Scriptures. Um, I was reading a bit recently of the Reformation, and just as we were thinking about the Reformation during this, during this centenary year of it, the foundation principle of the Reformation was sola scriptura. Want to know how to live? Read the Bible. Want to know what the Christian life looks like? Well, set the Bible before our eyes. John Calvin called the Scriptures the spectacles that the Spirit used to open blind eyes to the gospel, but, it's the, but, but that which opens our eyes and that which forms Christ's beautiful life within us is the same thing. We must set the Bible before our eyes. Do you read your Bible? I must say in, must say in humility that um, I've, got a, I've got my alarm clock on my phone, and I had it all of the time just lying beside my bed. And uh, just noticed leading up to Christmas, and probably for too, too long before that, that I, I was just pressing snooze far too long, far too many times in the morning. I was rushing out to do what I do without having spent enough time in the Word. What I had to do, I had to take drastic measures. I had to put the phone downstairs. So as, I, so as when the phone, when the alarm goes off in the morning, I have to go downstairs to turn it off. And by the time I make that journey downstairs, I've woken up sufficiently well to know that it's time to, to be up and stay up. But why I share that is, it has given me an hour in the morning to feast on the Scriptures. And um, it's not to say it's not something I did before, but it was something that, that was being squeezed out. And it's bringing, just bringing such a blessing to me. We want to grow as Christians. We've got to set Christ before our eyes. How do we do that? We must read the Scriptures. We must listen to the preached Word. Luther provocatively said in his lectures on Malachi, Satan does not care a hoot for the written Word of God, but he flees at the speaking Word of God. We must listen to the preached Word. It's encouraging that you're here tonight. You've chosen to come tonight to listen to the preached Word. Continually uh, open up your life to the preached Word. Read the Word, but listen to the preached Word. Reading, reading again on the Reformation, when Calvin was in Geneva, he preached twice on a Sunday and alternate days through the week. We can listen to the preached Word, and uh, through the Word we'll, we'll uh, set Christ before our eyes. Perhaps there's a third way. We can set examples of what the Scripture looks like in the flesh before our eyes. Again, the Reformers emphasis was on sola scriptura, but they didn't discount church history. And so long as it was checked and subordinated to Scripture, they would have been happy to learn from what we see in the lives of others. And so testimonies are helpful. Biographies are not just interesting pieces of material, but they help us to see when the Word of God takes root in a life, when the Word of God is lived, what does it actually look like? in the classroom? What does it actually look like in the workplace? It's a good thing to set the Word of God before our lives. Before our lives. It's maybe worth asking, whose lives do you follow? Do you have godly examples that you 
think about, read about, watch, and try to follow. Paul's method of growth is teaching. Holy Scripture through Paul is teaching us to set Christ before our eyes. Read the Word of God. Listen to the preached Word of God. See the Word of God lived out in the lives of others. So that's the perspective of the Christian. What, what then of the power? Well, perhaps perhaps the most exciting thing or one of the most exciting things about Christianity is that it's God-powered. When Ezekiel was looking forward, when Ezekiel the prophet writing and looking forward to the new covenant, it says in Ezekiel 36, 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you or move you to walk in my statutes. It's a wonderful and beautiful thing about uh, the Christian life that by the Holy Spirit we are being moved. I often see this at work in my own life. I would, I would, I would love to be fit, I'd love to have a fit body. And I have these very occasional desires to have a fit body, but I keep it up about two weeks whenever I try to do anything. But I've noticed for, since 1999, 18 years or so, God by His Spirit has been moving me to grow as a Christian. Christianity is God-powered. We are cooperative in the process, but God by His Spirit enables us to grow as a Christian. There is a… What, what else can we say about the Spirit? Well, it's a, a beautiful concept in verse 17, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I've, I suppose I've noticed that as a Christian. There's freedom in the sense of we're freed from the condemnation of the law. George Guthrie describes it as being brought into an open-faced relationship. Um, not legalism, but like children with a father. There's a kind of a gracious freedom. You know, you know how a, fa a, a father, and I hope my son can back this up, but you, you, you know how a father, it's not a slavish type relationship, but there's direction and there's encouragement. There's something of rebuke, and there's something of, of uh, just exhortation. There's, there's a fear, but with a room to live, but with room to live with the Holy Spirit. It never seems like a slavish thing to grow in the image of Christ. You begin the day reading the Scriptures, and God by His Spirit will spend that day helping you to live out what you have studied that morning. And it won't seem like a slavish thing. Oh yes, it will seem like a slavish thing if someone else is trying to squeeze you into a mold. But this spiritual pattern that Paul is presenting here of we putting Christ before our eyes and the Holy Spirit just exhorting us and helping us toward it. It's an open-faced relationship. It's a it's a gracious thing. It's like f children with a father. What else can we say of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God work together. 
to appreciate the Word, the Spirit's ministry is essential. We would never have accepted the Word of God if it wasn't for the Spirit. And, <clears throat> and thereafter in the Christian life, as we set the Word before our eyes, the Spirit is working with the Word to see it brought to action in our lives. Calvin says the same Spirit who has spoken through the, the mouths of the prophets must penetrate into, into our hearts to persuade us. Thomas Cranmer, the first Archbishop of Canterbury, emphasized illumination and coming from the Holy Spirit. He says this same illumination is given to the public and to the fishermen, to the shepherd as well as to doctors of religion. The Holy Spirit works with the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit works to transform us. That word transform, or we are being transformed, or are being transformed into His likeness, that word transform is metamorpho. It's like our word metamorphose, to change the form or nature of. Moses, Moses' face shone when he encountered God. But the transformation in us is, first of all, internal. And then, through a and then as the Spirit works to transform our character on the inside, it works its way out in the pattern of our life. I don't know if that makes sense, but the key thing to get is, as we set Christ before our eyes, we are not trying to, to, to change ourselves, but the Holy Spirit is working within us to, to mold and shape and transform us internally, and then it works into the outward realm. What to do if, what to do if change seems slow? Well, make sure you're focusing on the right vision. Make sure the pattern that you have set before your eyes is the right one if you want to grow into it. I often think when I go back home to Northern Ireland, we, we had to leave something of a materialistic culture behind when we left Northern Ireland. We just would not have the cash to live some of the lives that our peers live. Um, back in, in, in Northern Ireland, and, and I often think when I go back home at Christmas or on holiday that uh, if, I was to, if I was to continually set before my eyes the houses and the cars and the lives that, that, that some of my contemporaries live in Northern Ireland, I would be forever frustrated. But if you set the right vision before your eyes, if you set Christ before your eyes, there's not that same uh, likelihood of being frustrated because the Holy Spirit is, is uh, energizing and happy to form the vision of Christ within us. If, if growth seems slow, pray. God, Jesus promised, if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Crying out for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, ask Him. He said to ask. The perspective of the Christian is, is Jesus. The power at work in the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. And what of the product? Well, it's Jesus. What set Christ before our eyes that Christ might be formed within us. 
Dallas Willard says, the revolution, the, the revolution of character begins with a vision, a vision of what things will be like if and when that revolution takes place. The image that we are being transformed into is the image of God. In essence, it's taking us back to the original design, the glory that we were created to be, where we love God, where we love our fellow man, where we're good for society. But, but as Christ is formed in our lives, it's a painful process. And the very heart of that pain is, if Christ is going to be formed in your life and in mine, then self will have to get out If we are to be formed into the beauty of Jesus, it's not so much that Jesus would just come in and, and be part of what's going on. But in order to create room for Jesus and the beauty of Christ to be formed in our lives, the old man has to be continually moved out. And that's where the pain comes in in Christian growth, because our old fleshly desires, the old man thinks he's going to be annihilated completely, and so he tries to hold on to his place. But what Christ wants to do is to, is to, is to come in and to replace The Scripture does say that it's from glory to glory or ever-increasing glory. It's a continually developing thing. I became a Christian in 1999. God has been at this work in my life with varying degrees of success, it would seem, but He's been at this work these past 18 years. And He will be at it however long I'm on the planet because it's from glory to glory. It's a continually developing thing. It's a dynamic reality. Two things. Be patient. Be patient with yourself. Little, there's an old um, brand of Christian t-shirt that says, be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Be patient with each other as we think of Christian growth. We're not what we once were. We're not what we will be. It's from glory to glory. But it is from glory to glory. And so I encourage you, as a Christian, we want to be growing. We don't want to be stagnating. I used to help my uncle on a farm and uh, spend a lot of my weekends and holidays working on a farm. And the, uh, the goal was that that uh, young cattle would be, would be fattened up, would, be, would, would grow up, and would be fattened up, ready to be sold for beef when they were 30 months old. I tell you, there was nothing as ugly as an old beast that didn't fatten. An old beast with big bones, but it was deathly. And as we think of Christian growth, as Paul's desire is that it would be from glory to glory, I I exhort you, particularly 
considering that we're, that, that we're heading towards heaven, if you're a Christian. Let there be Christian growth in your life. Let it be from glory to glory. Let it be progressive. Why? Why? Well, what is Christ wanting to do? What was the original design for humanity? It was that we being made in the image of God might might make God known. And, and, uh, And the intention of the gospel is that as we look at Christ and Christ is formed in our lives by the Holy Spirit, then we become advertisements for Jesus wherever we go. Um, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Doug Kelly comments, Moses had got so near to God, the glory of the Lord was literally shining out of his face, and he did not know it. As Christ is formed in our lives, we become advertisements for Jesus. Wherever we go, the glory of the Lord shines out of us. I think Acts chapter 2 shows this so clearly. You, you remember in Acts chapter 2, there was, there was thousands of people became Christians. If it had stayed, if it, if it, if it had just been a prayer, if it had just been the happenings of a moment, the, uh, the thing would have, would have petered out. But if you read all of Acts chapter 2, you'll see that after they were converted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the Word of God and to prayer and to opening their homes and sharing their lives, that the beauty of Christ, that the full understanding of the gospel might be worked into them. That then, that then they would be the advertisements for Jesus. It makes sense. We look at Christ. Christ is formed in our lives. And then wherever we go, we make Christ know what we were always meant to do. Well, we began with a little illustration of marriage. Perhaps perhaps in a good marriage, in this unveiled relationship, the two people kind of morph together into one flesh. Talking to one, you might think you're talking to the other. For the Christian, very, very simple pattern of Christian growth, we set Christ before our eyes. We gaze at the face of Christ primarily through His Word. And we are changed into the same image. And as we go out into the world this week, then we advertise the Christianity that we claim to represent. John Newton said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, 
but now I see. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And then we shall be truly like him. Simple pattern for the weak folks. Set Christ before your eyes. You set the right vision before your eyes. God will not leave you to your own resources. But he'll come by the power of the Holy Spirit and enable us to live the life that we have set before our eyes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Scriptures. We thank you, Lord, that they, that they encourage us, that they show us that by the power of God, the Christian life is possible. Father, we admit humbly that we would so easily just stand still as Christians, go through the motions, but as a father to his children, you would exhort us to grow for our own good and for your glory. And so, Lord, as we ponder that, and think how it would be possible. Father, help us just simply and practically to read the Word of God and to read it in such a way that we understand it, that we might see Christ and that Christ might be formed in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name.